Hey everybody, welcome to the Coastal Noise Podcast. I'm going to keep this really short because we are under a tornado warning right now. We did this whole podcast pretty much in bad weather. Once again, second podcast in a row. Jim Pinkston, when he was here, we had you know tons of rain and we tried to avoid this uh, weather, kind of weather for this episode, but happens again and sirens are going off. They'll probably start going off in a minute here. So I'm going to wrap this up and get away from all this electrical equipment. This was a great conversation uh, with David Elliott of WOX and uh, a really fun time. We went and talked about a broad spectrum of things, mostly focusing, revolving around um, his career in journalism, advice. He has the challenges, the rewarding parts, and then we branch off into um, good authors and movies and legalizing marijuana. So really interesting conversation. Hope you enjoy it. And if you want to hear more podcasts, go to CoastalNoise.com, the podcast page. Should be having some announcements of other guests coming up soon. You can follow me, Stefan Lawson Music, on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, keeping up with Coastal Noise Media on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so yeah, go check all that out and follow along. And of course, if you want to support the show, the best way you can do it is to subscribe on places like YouTube or to like the posts that you uh, find this on, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, sharing it would be awesome. It's the best thank you you could give me and the guests here that come on the show. And besides all of that, I'm going to be traveling, doing hopefully some podcasts out of state here pretty soon and some other cool stuff. So you can see that those travel posts as they occur. So that's it. We'll go ahead and start the episode now. This is Coastal Noise Podcast number 66 with David Elliott. Well, let's see what the old head... Oh, I love headsets. Oh, they're great, right? Check two, check two, check two. There's the sweet spot. That's it. All right. You good? I am. All Perfect. Right. All right. Dare go that far. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Coastal Noise Podcast. I'm here with David Elliott of WLX News. Dave has been working with WLOX for over 20 years and is currently on the air seven days a week doing segments such as the 4 O'Clock Show and WLOX News at 5 through the weekdays as well as weekend segments on Saturdays and Sundays. Dave also has experience working in radio broadcasting from his time in Jackson, Mississippi before he transitioned to the Gulf Coast to work with WLOX in 1985. Dave, how are you doing? Excellent, Stefan. Thanks as, for having me on board. As an expert, to, you can be honest, how was that for an intro? It was perfect. Work on your W's, though. Double W's, yeah. yeah. work on your W's. I caught that. I saw that yeah, as I was going yeah, through. Yeah, you know? that's, that's the old broadcaster W. Yeah. So, but that's all. That's, that's a strong that's, W you got there. <laughs> well, I've worked, you know, I, I've paid dearly for that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to do the show that dove a little bit deeper into the world of journalism, reporting, and broadcasting, partly out of a desire to do better with what I do here, you know, because I have a passion for learning, writing, and presenting content. And I've wanted to reach out to WLX for a long time since it's been one of the local top dogs in the area for decades. At first, I was prepping an email to just reach out to the organization at large. Uh, but then I said, well, let me go and check to see if the, the staff has a page online or something like that. And I went on and I saw your picture and I thought, well, who better 
to have a discussion with about the subject matter than the guy who basically lives on the air seven days a week. Yeah, can you, you know? imagine that? That might I, I may be the only guy in America that can make that claim and that seven-day-a-week really? claim. I have the engineers working on an eighth day back in the laboratory in the basement <laughs> at WLOX, so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, and and just as the guy, you know, who, who uh, on local television all the time as I was growing up, so... I reached out to you directly and it really sparked my interest when you mentioned some, you know, unfavorable views of journalism today because, uh, and I want to explore that to the full, you know, scope of, of what goes on in the industry and how it's changing with the growth of the internet and all the outlets like Google News, YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, uh, podcasts like this. So I'd like to know more about your experience and your thoughts for the industry's future and a little inside knowledge for maybe aspiring students of the trade. But uh, before we go too deep into that into that pool, I was thinking we could start off by just getting a little background information on you sure. and your history. And one of the things I wanted to ask you first, and I was doing a little research on, on the website, how long has WLOX been in operation? I couldn't find that anywhere. Oh, golly. How I'm far not, back do sure. they go? I, I imagine they go back to the 50s. Really? Uh, they used to be in, for old timers who are listening, the old Buena Vista Hotel until uh, 69 Hurricane Camille took it out, owned by the Love family. But I imagine that would be probably the late 50s. They were probably there during the transition from black and white to color and from film to videotape. And now here we are in the digital world. So I I never worked film, but I uh, was there during the video videotape days. Mm -hmm. But I honestly, I couldn't tell you a year when uh, WLOX first signed on the air, but they've been such a big part of this community forever. So Yeah, yeah. And can you give us a rundown on how you developed an interest in journalism and reporting, what schooling you received, and just kind of your major career bullet points that ultimately led you to where you are today? Well, actually, I'm going to go way back to when I was a kid. My dad was the head of the speech department at the University of Minnesota. I grew up in Minneapolis. And he had a television show on public television in Minnesota. He taught radio TV at the U. And when I was a little kid, I was the oldest uh, of three boys. And I was kind of a daddy's boy. So I always hung out with my dad. So I used to actually go to his classes. And I used to do all these things. I used to go to his TV show. He would he did voiceovers, national voiceovers. He had an unbelievable voice. But uh, for Toro and, and other products that I can't think of right now. So I used to go with him into recording sessions. And so I kind of began to develop an interest at that point. And then I became a big fan of music. So I started thinking more about radio and uh, ended up going to the University of Minnesota, uh, getting a job in radio right out of school in, in Jackson, Mississippi. I'd never been in the South and, uh, and worked, bounced around for a couple of years, about four different radio stations in Jackson, uh, all different formats. It was amazing. And uh, then ultimately uh, landed with a splat in television. So. Yeah. And, and before going into that, that part of television, what kind of stuff would you do in radio? What were those different formats like? Well, I started out, uh, this, this station was a killer. If you have anyone who knows anything about Jackson, Mississippi, it was WZZQ. It was uh, rock and it was just a monster in, in Mississippi in the 60s, 70s. And that was my first job. I did 2 to 6 in the morning. 
I was fresh out of college, 23 years old, took a train down actually to Jackson and bought a $400 car or something. But, um, and and then I went over to an an urban radio station, which is a kind way of saying uh, African-American or black radio station. It did news for them in the morning. And then went over to kind of a middle-of-the-road number one station in town and did kind of a goofy morning show with another guy. And uh, so that was over only about three years, three stations. So one might say, what's with this guy's work record? Either he's, uh, you know, uh, not very dependable or he's, uh, you know, his uh, attention span is short or something. But it's just the way it happened. Radio Mm -hmm. in those days, there was a lot of mobility, particularly in a market. You would see guys move. Uh, from station to station within a market. That was very popular, it seemed, back in the uh, early 80s. So. Yeah. And what what did you like most about that particular trade? Well, you know, I was in radio on the, the end of what I considered kind of the golden age of radio. I mean, obviously the golden age was radio. Radio was Edward R. Murrow and, and uh, all of that. But it was when stations were still locally owned and operated before the corporations came in and started gobbling up all of the radio stations. We'll jump ahead in in a moment, if you like, to the groups that now own eight stations in a market, which I think is is sacrilegious almost, in my opinion. Uh, But then... We, I enjoyed it. We still had records, actual LPs at WZZQ when I worked there. When I did the news in the morning for the uh, urban station, actually had news departments at radio stations. I don't have those anymore. Don't be fooled. If they, if you are listening to your local radio station and you hear somebody on a voice track recorded, they're not sitting there live, of course. There's somebody who's on doing something else on one of the other radio stations they own under a different name. Yeah, you know, so they're, they're reading WLOX stuff off of our website or something out of the local newspaper. So I uh, and then just as I left radio is, is when I believe it was kind of the beginning of the end of old fashioned radio. So mm-hmm. interesting. So then after that time, you ended up at WLOX. Well, no, I went to an, an audition in Jackson, Mississippi, at the CBS station WJTV up there for a new show they were launching so exciting you know uh, dancing girls balloons uh, the red carpet uh it was called pm magazine it was kind of a uh you know the, the typical man and woman around town today we're bringing you the show from the jackson zoo you know tomorrow lord knows where we'll be make sure you tune in anyway there were probably about 50 guys at the audition whittled it down to 10 whittled it down to five down to two very dramatic and i ended up getting that job and uh that lasted for about a year then i transitioned into news at jtv and i knew the owner of wlox jimmy love and he's been, was always after me to move to the coast and i finally did it so that was in 86 1986. You said 20 years, but that now tells us that's 31 years. So. 31. <laughs> oh, you're in shock. That's older than you are. 95, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. You're right. 31 years. Okay. Maybe the website says 20. I don't know. No, it's 1984. 
1985 is when it says yeah. you. 86, I came down here, yeah. So okay. we'll have to change that. I'll have to get to our dig- with our digital people to make sure in the interest of accuracy yeah. that we get that straight. <laughs> yeah. 31 years. Thanks for reminding me, Steph. <laughs> Thanks for that, that little stroll down, that painful stroll down memory lane and realizing how long I've been there and how old I am. So. <laughs> well, while we're still on memory lane, in your opinion, who are some of the key figures of voices of radio or journalism from from the past or even, or the present? Well, I mean, really, I mean, I, I was on, it's odd, even as I was very young, I kind of watched, I think it's because my dad was very politically active, uh, but I, uh, well, Cronkite, uh, you know, uh, um, guys like that, uh, Brinkley, David Brinkley. Uh, a little bit later, I, I I thought Peter Jennings at ABC was very good. Uh, so those were the guys I kind of uh, grew up with. I don't like any of the anchors at the uh, networks today, but I don't like them. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but I think it's a different. Don't like what they're doing probably more so than... Well, I don't like the way the shows are produced necessarily. I think they are... In the old days, you could tell the guy, the anchors were in charge of the show. Now mm-hmm. it's the anchors are being like, puppeteered. Yeah, puppeteered by the producers of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a big deal. I mean, Jennings and these guys, they had total control over their show, Cronkite. These guys, they, you know, they probably had two producers where they now have, you know, 22 producers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those guys made all of the editorial decisions and, and that stuff. But that, that's changed a lot right now. It's like very producer-driven now, even at a small station and, like WLX. And advertisers are a big factor into it as well. Yeah, well, sure. I don't pay much attention to the advertisers. Can you edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> well, when there's money involved, you know, it's like the producers are going to want to do what those advertisers, I imagine, would want. Well, there's right? no, you know, there's more pressure rather than from advertisers. There's actually more pressure on. I'm not a big fan of of uh, focus group kind of research sort of. Uh, I, I always like to say a doctor doesn't ask the patient how to operate, how to perform the surgery. So why do professional broadcasters ask the viewers <laughs> what, what they want to see? I, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of these guys where we'll decide what you see. So, so a lot of their their uh, content is driven, I think, by hey, look what's viral on Facebook right now, or look what people are talking about, you know. And did you see that tweet? Mm-hmm. We got to do a story on that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and it all moves so quickly, yeah, yeah, because content is exchanged so so fast, and it becomes irrelevant so quickly. And we also have so many newscasts now. When I broke into this business, we had a five, a six, and a ten. Every station did. That's all they had. Maybe they did token morning coverage. A few of them had a noon show. We now do three hours in the morning, an 11 o'clock show, a 4 o'clock show, which I anchor, 5 o'clock show, which I anchor, 6, 6.30, 10, uh, and five, six shows on the weekend. So there's, in, so there's a great demand, I think, for content, too. Mm. Repeat content, I'm afraid. Mm. Repackaged. So do you think there's more opportunities for young journalists, people that are interested in, as reporters, to, for there to be more job opportunities? Because I always was under the impression that they were hard to come by and incredibly hard to land. 
Yeah, they are. It's because staffs, you know, they're, they've cut the number of people and multitasking has become. And also, I'm one of the few. I'll tell, well, I'll tell you a story about how later about if you want to go that direction. I'm actually shooting stuff by myself on my iPhone now. They have these incredible iPhones and editing apps on our phones at the that, WLOX, where I'm enjoying actually doing that. But I'm one of the last, there's one of the last guys who has a photographer. Photographers are the disappearing, are the dinosaurs heading to the tar pit in television mm-hmm. because all we hire now are one man bands. Mm-hmm. They call them MMJs, multimedia journalists, I think. They give it a okay. fancy, fancy name, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, so now they, they have to go out, they have to shoot their own stuff. You know, they have to, I edit my own stuff, which I love because editing's the storytelling of uh, television in my opinion but uh they uh yeah so the it kids better who get into journalism now it's not quite as glamorous as it used to be mm. and the job's not quite as plentiful so. mm. and it's probably shifting to more of a technical orientated yeah did you better point. be ready to you know provide digital content as well and plenty of it Mm. So, so you do your own editing? Yeah, for I do all shows my own editing. The well, my, all the stories that I do, I do the editing. I don't edit the little twenty-second things you see of the of the disaster in Syria or the latest Trump tweet or what's happening with healthcare. All the little components in a thirty-minute broadcast, but I the stories I do, I edit. What is your editing process like? Uh I always see stories. I'm old school. I got to see them as like a, a a minute and a half movie, you know, I, I, a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, with kind of a cinematic more approach, sort of, to telling a story. So, hmm. what are some of the biggest challenges of working in your field? Uh, to me, it really is the 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 multitasking the you're out doing a story. You've got to get the tweet back. I'm not opposed to Twitter. I'm not naive. Uh, you have to get it on .com right away. As a matter of fact, we have a uh, initiative now called Digital First, where you know, before you do your television story, make sure we get it on the web. So uh, I have a little bit of a problem with that, but uh, so the, the, those are the challenges for me. Frankly, and I hope they're not listening, I, working with kind of young, inexperienced producers is, can be a little frustrating sometimes because you feel like you have to kind of save the show. But Yeah, working together with the team. Yeah, to, I'm an to, individual sports guy. Yeah. 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 I play golf, not uh, basketball. Yeah. Uh, well, who speaking of that team... Um, is who, that my phone? I think it is. Wow. You've got like you see, a, that's how, uh, how dumb <laughs> I am. How, how old I am. I don't kill my phone. That's happened before. Tell me that's happened before on your show. Oh, sure, sure. It oh, actually okay. happened with Mr. Jim last time. And he goes, as he's talking, and I'm like, I can barely hear it. And he keeps talking and he goes, I apologize. That's my phone. And he just keeps talking. Yeah. <laughs> the phone's still ringing. I'm like... That's cool. Well, I mean, who knows what it could be? I could be called in for breaking news, you know. There's, oh, sure, sure. How often does that happen? It, well, that happens a lot. Uh, uh, I'll be, um, you know, I, I, I love, here's, here's what I like about television. I love anchoring. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my favorite thing. I, I love interviews, and I do a lot of interview shows, particularly kind of political interviews. And I love live shots. So, so I guess kind of all the things I've described are kind of, it's the live 
buzz that I get out, out of television is being on live. Yeah, yeah. Much more than going out, shooting a story at 10 o'clock, coming back, logging your sound bites, writing your copy, mm-hmm. editing it, and putting it on the air five and a half hours later. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather go out and anchor a 30-minute show live. It's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and you never know what's going to happen sometimes. So, mm-hmm. and I secretly like it when things go a tad awry. So, yeah, yeah, a little excitement in it. Yeah. Well, how often do you go out into the field as opposed to being in the station? Well, I'm out. I didn't used to go out very much, uh, as much as I do now. But uh, the, back to the uh, insatiable appetite for content, I'm out now reporting uh, three, four days a week. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you come back and you've got to, uh, with a story and then a little bit of video with maybe a a soundbite for another newscast. So, editing right up to about three o'clock, and then go on the air at four. So it's all pretty tight. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of the rest of your team, who are some of the most important people that do jobs that? help make a new show possible, but are often kind of behind the scenes. And so as a result, aren't thought about as much from the general public. Hmm. Is there anybody who's kind of the (laughs) underdog and they don't get the light? You know, they just kind of, well, all of them, I guess don't get the light, uh, the light are in the limelight or the spotlight. Uh, The the directors, the guys who punch the buttons and make sure the video rolls and the, the graphics are, are, are right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, those are probably kind of the unsung heroes, the producers who uh, are always being bombarded by management with different ideas who are oftentimes down to a deadline, putting a show together. I, I you know, I admire the work that they do. They're young. Mm-hmm. They'll learn. What about the some of the ethical concerns that you might be faced with in your line, line of work? What kind of concerns do you face and how do you navigate them? Well, that, you know, that's always a tough one because journalism, I, I, I try to um, imagine that journalism, the rules haven't changed too much. I think with the advent of cable TV and I believe the networks have gone away a little bit from their traditional uh, standards uh, the competition from the internet, uh, you know, that's a hard one in a market like this. We, we, we don't, we're no, we don't have a lot, a lot of pressures. We, we can pretty much take on anybody we want and not worry about the consequences too much. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't really, I don't know. That, that that's a tough one for me on the ethical standards. I, I do think I try not to let my personal beliefs in any way seep into anything I write or say. We're only human, so it's inevitable that it does. But uh, I don't grapple with that a lot now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty disciplined. Is and that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about is personality, character, kind of bleeding through your reporting or whatever it is that you're doing as a journalist, as a reporter, as an anchor, is there, do they classically train you in school if you're going through that to have that kind of, what's the training that goes into that? Or how do people ingrain that just the facts kind of attitude? 
Well, I mean, I they're still teaching from from books and I mean, in college, they're still teaching from old journalism ethics one hundred and one mm-hmm. uh, because I I don't you know a lot of the journalism professors I run into today are generally of my generation or even a little older it seems so the, that that training will be pretty stock pretty generic pretty traditional. And then you'll find when you get out in the real world, it, it changes a little bit. I'm one of these guys. Here's one thing I'll say about that ethics thing. I, I like to interview the newsmakers, the elected officials, ask them the questions that need to be asked. Now there's this great desire in our business. And I don't mean to say anything bad about Joe Citizen or Joe Blow. Uh, well, what, is, what, is, what do the people think? I don't want to see any suits in this story. I'm like, well, you have to ask the suit questions. You have to go. You know, if a story is about you know uh, a controversy down at the wastewater treatment plant, you have to go to the utility authority and ask them what's the deal. You don't go ask the people in the neighborhood what do you think about it. I mean, I guess you could incorporate their perspective into it, but right now there seems like there's there's an overemphasis on just going and and finding out what the, the people in the neighborhood think. And I know this isn't coming off. Instead of going to the source. Yeah, I mean, I'm old school on that. You know, we don't, there's, a, there's kind of a bit of a, of a mantra in no suits, they say in a story. Well, yeah, if you're doing a story on, you know, the local marching the band going to Macy's you know, Thanksgiving Day Parade, sure. But if it's a story about... You know, corporations yeah, and legalities, like, yeah, and, and and public law. You have to go, I believe, to the you know to the people who are responsible. Mm-hmm. And we've drifted a little bit away from that. I even see that on the networks. Hmm. Um, what part of what you do on a weekly basis do you think takes up the most of your energy? What's mentally taxing to you? Uh, pl- planning. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm kind of neurotic about time and about communication and organization. And it seems like a lot of people are running a million different directions a million miles an hour. And it drives me kind of crazy. So I guess my I kind of want to know where I'm supposed to be at 11 o'clock on Monday. Mm-hmm. What I have to do at 1 o'clock on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Make sure I'm ready for the live show at four o'clock on on thursday and nothing's getting in the way of that so i guess my neurosis is just kind of time and organization mm-hmm. and that's sort of the toughest thing for me because not everybody is quite as disciplined on that and Organized. I to, yeah and i have to fight that all the time so. sure because there's probably so much going on with all the things that not only happen, but the mediums through which you can access them through. Sure. There's probably a lot of distractions going on. That's oh, probably yeah. a lot really hard. And then your schedule and your what you have to do probably shifts a lot more now than what it used to as yeah, a result. Exactly. Something gets so. pinged and goes across the world and it becomes news somewhere or And you have to address it. You know, suddenly mm-hmm. it's been moved up in the rundown of a show and I mean, it's not that I'm not flexible. I, I love a, a very fluid show and, and when things are happening and breaking news and all that kind of stuff. I'm just a little neurotic about the organization, knowing where I have to be at a particular time and making sure everything goes like clockwork. Mm-hmm. So. Do you now or have you ever engaged in certain practices to better improve skills relevant to your job, i.e. writing or speaking? 
Hmm. Uh, writing, actually, believe it or not, Facebook has helped me become a little, and I can't believe I'm saying this, a little bit of a better writer. I post a lot on Facebook, on my personal page. I have to be careful on my WLOX page. (laughs) And even my personal page, I should be careful. And behind my back, they're probably saying I need to be more careful. But uh, believe it or not, that has helped me a little bit. Uh, And I I, I try to be colorful on writing. I try to choose words and phrases and terms Mm -hmm. that are a little more colorful. Mm Mm-hmm. And as and what was the other part besides writing, just presentation, talking? Yes, yeah, speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think I've been around the block enough where I think I've got that down. Kind of autopilot. Yeah. What's your protocol if something's going wrong with the voice? If you got a sore throat or anything that's affecting your ability to communicate? Uh thankfully, I, I I don't I don't really seem to have that 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 problem too much you battle through it i mean you know just like a singer would have to do it or an actor Mm -hmm. on stage would have to do it you just have to just have to battle through it i don't do anything like with honey and and garlic before show or yeah yeah or anything like that no okay is there anything you do as a warm-up for your voice no not really no 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 it's kind of on autopilot with the voice yeah and i don't don't I get a lot of the younger reporters who want me to listen to their voice tracks, listen to their narr- narrative, mm-hmm. listen to their the way they read their copy, and I hear a lot of a lot of their inflections are wrong. You know, where you know, don't, why are you going up on that reflection inflection? No, end it with a nice going down on an inflection. So mm-hmm. I, I I do think a lot. When I first got into television, and I still know anchors who do it today, will actually go through, copy, and make little marks. Now with the on the computer and the teleprompter, it's not quite as uh, easy, but we'll make little ups and downs. When When's the best time to do an inflection like you're asking a question? When's the best time to end and say that's The city council will take that up next Tuesday. You know, when you go down, when you go up, when you pause, you know, phrasing. And so I, I, a lot of our young reporters have problems with that. And I try to, they don't have energy. That's another big thing. You have to have constant, you know, you don't, that doesn't mean talking fast. That just means having a certain sense of urgency in the way you read. Mm-hmm. And don't sound like you're reading. That's another one. Sound like you're talking. Right. You know, to the person next to you, you know, you know mm-hmm. try to imagine it as a conversation not, more than a reading copy. Yeah, make it authentic, yeah. not, not artificial. Yeah, you know. and I say like commercials. You hear everybody hates the commercials they hear that play over and over again of just the terrible voice actors doing a very cheesy, plain vanilla yeah. dialogue. Yeah, which, you know, you have to have a little bit of you know, uh, a little bit of. I I can get kind of dramatic when I'm reading a little bit on t- on whether it's a murder, a fire, a terrorist attack. You know, I, I like I kind of like not cheesy but colorful, mm-hmm. uh, impactful words and terms and phrases. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you for, for on a personal level, what would you recommend if somebody wanted to 
better their speaking voice uh, because just hearing you on headphones is like a whole nother ball game to me. You know, hearing you in this format as opposed to like through television speakers or whatever, mic from that distance or whatever. What about the folks? What are they hearing us on right now? now this is what on their on their little computer uh, speakers. Well, uh, yeah, I think it sounds best uh, through a car. <laughs> you know, I'll hook it up to Bluetooth and just blast yeah. it out through there. But I have Bose in my car, so everything sounds pretty good through that. But well, it comes back. That's the oldest voice training. You know, down in the chest. Don't have it up in the throat. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't be afraid to sort of ride a sentence, you know, mm-hmm. finding the perfect words to emphasize. And uh, I'll make it a, a confession at Michigan. I smoke. I was going to ask, is that a thing that like... <laughs> no, that's, that's, an old, that's an old wife's tale of myth. Oh, the guy's got the pipes because he smokes. No, no, no. It doesn't have any holding. But uh, it doesn't bother me. And I've been smoking for some like... 35 years but i'm not, i don't know what that has to do with my voice but if i'm i'm but i do find it occasionally if i'm a little off voice that it might have maybe something to do with the cigarettes or something i don't know but i uh and and Pete, this here's and you say something about my voice i okay i do go to walmart Stefan. you know that don't okay you? yeah occasionally i go to walmart okay yeah so I'm in Walmart. It's a Saturday. I'm in my flip flops, my short on my ba- shorts, my baseball cap, and you know, and I'm just wandering through and anonymously until I start talking, and then everyone say Dave Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I do have a kind of a distinctive voice. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the millions exaggeration times uh, that has happened though that literally I'll be standing yeah. in the checkout lane or the the cashier will be there and they won't make they won't make that connection if I'm wearing a tie and a suit they they will more often make the connection but if I'm in the old uh, uh, you know sort of weekend thing but then as soon as I say something they're uh, don't they tell you they get the newsman yeah, yeah. I get, no, actually, I get the weatherman a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not the weatherman. I hope one day to be a weatherman. I don't, but that's one of my answers. Yeah. Who, if you had to shoot off maybe like three names of just really great speakers to just listen to? Mm. Boy, you should have emailed me a question like that one, Seven, because I'm going to have to think about that one. Well, there's nobody really in news. Could I, be anybody, really a like speaker, that. somebody who does, uh, you know, keynote speeches or something like that. Um, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. That's one I'm going to have to, uh, all of your podcast participants, I'm going to have to get give them a call later and tell, give them the answer to that question. Okay. Because I just can't think of anybody <laughs> off the top of my head. I'll tell you what, you, you let me know. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp? No, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, it was horrible the other day on this, uh, the last time an actor assassinated a president. I don't know if you saw that. No. Uh, yeah, he did, did a cheesy John Wilkes Booth. Uh, oh, when he was yeah. talking about killing about Trump. Trump. Yeah. I was like, damn, dude. Uh, yeah. He did it in front of a bunch of people, and too. And then people cheered. Uh, That's yeah. the scariest part. Well. But uh, but what what you know speakers he had this kind of I don't know if you heard him but he was, it was creepy to me <laughs> actually I think actors have the best really I like some of the actors uh, Kevin Spacey man this yeah. guy have you ever seen him oh yeah MC an event or uh, on an interview or something he can really 
exercise his voice and do yeah. some great things. Plus, House of Cards is the best show on television. That's but, what everyone keeps telling yeah. me. Well, Netflix it, so. brother. You're young. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't get into a lot of TV series yeah. because I'm very That's the big only on TV my... series. Well, I watch some HBO series, Game of Thrones, uh, Veep. Uh, the, the comedy and uh, <laughs> Larry David for any of you Seinfeld oh, fans yeah, has a great. show called Curb Your Enthusiasm Absolute which is coming show. back now is H- it HBO is bringing it back so wow. this uh, I think later this summer so okay but otherwise I just watch news and sports on TV but I think actors actually if you hear them on the, the late night shows which I don't watch uh, they some of them have some unbelievable voices and, and they, they better and manner of speaking so very cool and kevin space i don't know why that one came to mind but well he's a talented guy yeah. he's, got, he's got a good he's got yeah. a good range i guess yeah or, or good uh vocal vocal character but uh yeah um let me see what else i got here i'm a scorpio you're a scorpio just in case you were gonna ask that it, it was actually on the list here oh, okay. it was on the next I figured that would be uh, size important ele- information. Size 11 shoe. Yeah. <laughs> if you do think of other people, I'll put it in the show notes. How about okay, that? So how that about people, that? Oh, there yeah. are show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, okay. I, I, whenever I go back and do editing, I usually write down bullet points of what we speak about. I'll put links in there to direct people. If, oh, okay. You know, it, it provides... You know, if I was 30... How old are you? 27. If I was 30, 32 years old, you know, it's I'm an old dog now. You're not going to teach me new tricks. But if I was 30 or 32, I'd be doing you should. something like this. You should. Super easy. No, I could, I, I, I could oh, tell super you. easy. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm telling you. I could tell you. I could teach you everything you'd want to know. Yeah, I would actually be experimenting around with all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Different to be doing now that is happening in the digital universe. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Do you work on Macs or Windows? I'm uh, Macs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah then, is that Apple? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. I'm a neophyte. I, you know, thank God I work around a bunch of 20 year olds because I'm like, I give them my phone and I go, well, what's the, how, how do I get this to that? How can I get this into my desktop so I can, you know, email the photograph somewhere? You know, mm-hmm. so, no, so you actually stumped me with that question. If, if you have a Mac, that is, I mean, I've never owned one, but I've worked with and, and played with Apple products and they're great they're simple they're intuitive they they they're just gonna go and i'm i'm that's gonna be my next investment for sure but um if you if you're running off of that you could easily you know through simple stuff that comes with it probably you know um and i'm sure you've got mics and portable equipment you know all it takes is some mp3 files uh running it polishing it up a little bit and chopping it up editing and then you upload it to a, a, a server like i just joined a service that i loaded up to them and they send out rs feeds to itunes um, i put it up on my website directly myself what does the reach end up being i mean do they ever send you back insights on uh, how many people you're reaching what you kind of engagement you're getting sure it, it, suddenly it, i'm asking the question yeah you know cool oh, okay. uh, <laughs> this is a thing i always encourage a lot of people because i don't know a whole lot of people who do podcasts in this area but the shows i listen to um, the podcast I listen to run for like three hours an episode and reach tens of millions of people. Really? Easily. Name one talent. Uh, name, one, name one host. Uh, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Don't know him. 
Well, you got to look him up, man. I will. He's, he's, I'm going to Google him now. Yeah, what does he talk about? What he writes, he's a best-selling author on multiple books on productivity really? and 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 uh, fitness and cooking and and all different things. He's friends with Tony Robbins. He gets he's got one of the most popular podcasts out oh, there on okay. iTunes. Um, Joe Rogan, the comedian and UFC yeah, commentator. I know Joe Rogan. Tens of millions, you know, making. What about a guy like Bill O'Reilly? Glenn Beck, some of these other guys, do they if, do podcasts? Oh, I'm sure they do. Well, I know O'Reilly It would be does. crazy if they didn't. Yeah. 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 I know they've got, he's got, you know, they got staffs and, and, and. Actually, what I would be doing if I was young, I would be dreaming up, scripting, and staging uh, weird videos that would end up going viral on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. You can do that too. I'm, I, I just might. You may have inspired me. I got a. Um, I was trying to put out a thing for a bass player one time, and this guy got back to me and said, "I'm from Japan. I'm a professional. I like what you're trying to get at. Uh, here's a video of me." And I watched it, and this guy is looks like he's in a dorm room with just a camera on a stand, and he's in a woman's dress, and he's just shredding bass to this anime Japanese track, and in between cuts is chugging milk. And just doing all this weird stuff. And I'm like, what is this? And I was like, who would watch such a thing? And I looked at the numbers. I was like, oh, millions and yeah. millions of people. Yeah. Four million views. I, and another thing I'm really enjoying right now is Facebook Live. Oh, yeah. I've done some wild Facebook Lives in the, really? last, in the last year. Okay. And uh, I think they're fantastic. I love doing them. I, I'll just, I was in uh, New York over uh, Christmas before mm -hmm. the president was even uh, uh, inaugurated. I went to Trump Tower and did a uh, Facebook Live, uh, which was with police, NYPD I was talking to. I was talking to uh, the doorman at Trump Tower. I was wandering around talking to people because it was packed. It was right around Christmas. I, uh, if you remember three and a half months ago, four months ago, the terrible tornado up in Hattiesburg. Yes. I went up there. Just I, It was on a Saturday. I wasn't even working. I just felt compelled to go up there. I got up there about three hours after the tornado touched down, and people were still, their clothes were half shredded, and they were still wandering through in a daze, the rubble of what was once their home. I ended up going to a trailer park where three people ended up dying. And I did Facebook Lives there, just talking to people and wandering around and describing what I was seeing. About a month and a half ago, I went over to Lee Circle in New Orleans, because this is during the monument, take down the monument crisis. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, yeah, I do. Take down Liberty Square, and next was Davis, and then was Beauregard, and finally Lee. But I went to the Lee Circle with General Lee up on the thing, and there were all these confederatsies, I call them. No offense. <laughs> To somebody who may know, the Confederate crowd was in from all over the country, you know, uh, pr protecting the monuments. And uh, Antifa, actually, New Orleans has a really big Antifa movement, believe it or not, almost as big as Portland. Antifa? That's the anti-fascist you see at Berkeley, the guys who are throwing stuff, breaking windows and wearing the masks and the kind of black ninja pajamas, the millennials, your crowd. Stefan? They're breaking things? Yeah, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I hope somebody out there listening to us knows what I'm referring to. Anti-fascists, they call themselves. They're kind of anarchists. Okay. Anyway, so the Antifa showed up, and, and so the Confederate uh, 
protectors and the young take them down nola and antifa crowd were almost came to blows and i'm live on facebook right there so i've really been enjoying uh facebook live for an old dog like me i've, I've actually yeah, so done some interesting you're embracing some yeah. the technology yeah of the I, I love the facebook live actually yeah yeah I've been enjoying which, doing those, which is critical. I mean, if the market changes, you either have. Well, they're to going to want us to do them to, every day, right? right. Uh, eventually, they're going to want mm-hmm. it. And and anytime there's anything big going on, they're going to want us to do a Facebook Live now. Sure. At WLOX, I guarantee you. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the great thing about you know getting to do that on your own time. And and I mean, you could branch off and do things like that, and and this and do it independently when you want to do it produce content when i'm not and gonna how do it now i'm too old stefan <laughs> you i'm settled that? in my ways you no, could I'll do the a, facebook live but i'm not gonna start a podcast yeah yeah i mean you uh, could hey you could get a young technician out there throw a little bit of money uh, at it and you'd be surprised what you could get done uh, put a little thing like this in a, a studio set up in your house somewhere or well actually i could Just do it thought. because i'm not sure anyone's interested but i could go on for three hours and do something so um you know i, I love this yeah, um, and the market reflects. People will listen if you're consistent and you you put out quality stuff, you know. And then you appeal to sponsors and advertisers, do a pre roll or a post roll for a commercial there, you know. However you want to structure it and do the social media thing. Yeah, but me, I'm just counting down my days to social security. Yeah, yeah. You know, what yeah. do you think I'm going to do? Start doing a podcast now? Hey, you might want to find a new hobby. You never know. <laughs> you know, things might yeah, whittling. <laughs> Um, what's been the most rewarding jobs that you've had in the industry? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, if you were to have me on, have, have had me on to talk about politics, we would, could, we would have gone a totally different direction here. I've done, I think every gubernatorial senatorial, uh, Senator, uh, house debate in Mississippi, probably since about 1990 statewide and everything. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of a political junkie so i i I like i like uh doing stuff like that that's that's my favorite is is getting into i have a show that runs sunday mornings at 8 30 that's the sunday and the seven days a week by the way uh it's on tape taping on fridays which is a three segment so you can spend more meaningful time you know eight nine minutes a segment where it's we have the newsmakers in so so i really like that though that's the most rewarding part of it for me i think is the the political banter Mm -hmm. were there ever any jobs you had before working in your current field that help you prepare uh prepare you for journalism or television in ways that you didn't expect Mm. another job in in media uh hmm wow that's a hard question stefan you worked, to you go, worked hard on that. Trying one. to go deep. Yeah, that, you know? that, that, that's a hard one. That, that one I'm going to have to. I would say radio because radio is the ultimate theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there are no optics, no visuals. Everything is whatever the person listening happens to 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 see in their in the depths of their brain. So I would say, and also you have to think on your feet in in radio, and and so I think that's helped me. That helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think the best TV guys, if you're listening out there. And you're in TV, but you didn't do radio. Shame on you, because I think the best TV guys are guys who did radio. Really? Yeah. The old radio. Now radio. It's a, no one's even. Let me tell you a little story. I was talking sure. about the corporate 
uh, corporations now buying eight radio stations. You know how many radio stations? Let's just say we have 20 radio stations on the coast. Three, three corporations own all of them. You can go into one of these buildings up here where they have six radio stations. You won't find a human being right now. There's not a person in there. Everything's running on a computer. They're taking satellite shows from Houston. They're taking, you know, everybody's sitting. They're very few. Some of them have a morning show. Some of them might have kind of a night guy who's got a following who might be live. But they're, you know, they're a bunch of computers in a building. Mm. So, but that's radio today. And actually TV, you know, we, we're now, this is where I have to be careful. We're now owned by a company that owns 90 television stations or something. You know, it's, like, wow. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we are just, and the worst thing about that is, you know, these companies own 90 television stations, but uh, let's break them into thirds. 30% are gold mines, money makers. That WLOX is in that category, by the way, for us. 30% are, uh, they do okay. They, they break even. Sometimes they make budget. The other 30% are dogs. So the 30% gold is gold mines carrying the rest of them. And so, but the, the company sees everybody as you know, pretty much equal, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means. But. <laughs> uh, I've got a, a three for here. Um, how common is it for you to take heat from viewers or readers for something you said on the air or in a paper? Common. Common? I, uh, I As I said, I'm very active on Facebook, so I have a lot of back and forth but I like to start conversations and then stay out of them and let the people argue. But I get a lot of emails. A lot of people think I'm a smart ass. Can you say smart ass on, on podcasts? You, you can, this is the beauty of it. You can say whatever okay. you want. Well, a lot of people think I'm a bit of a smart ass. So I do get emails on that. Uh, I used to, I used to get, uh, oh, I'd get into, you know, Trump now he likes to, tweet he gets in these twitter wars he's now in a twitter war with of all people morning joe from msnbc i don't know if you follow is he? This. they're going back and forth and he says they say terrible things he says terrible things but he did get elected using twitter so it's hard to wean him off of it but uh i used to get emails from people and I, my first oh i'd, 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 I'd fire something back you know and then i would either get to my general manager and i'd get called in or we'd just have a bad now it's i'm Good to hear from you. God bless you. Thanks for writing. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. You know, and that's all I send back to him. And I think it actually pisses him off even more, makes him more frustrated because it's like you're not taking them seriously. So I'm much more disciplined on going back and forth with people. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I and don't. That's I, kind of bringing out your character too, where that might not come out in, in the newsroom setting. Now you've got this these outlets that is putting you directly with the entire community getting instantaneous feedback and you can have that freedom to step outside and kind of talk to people actually. Yeah. I, well, I walk, I walk a, uh, I'm not going to say the plank. I walk a fine line on Facebook, but I'm right in the middle. I, 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 I like to poke at the left and I like to tweak the right a little bit. So I stay, I go, you know, I, I, I go different directions on Facebook just to get people engaged. But, uh, I mean, I have the my WLOX page. I have to be careful (laughs) on that one. 
but on uh, my personal page, I uh, I like to kind of like, you know, put a stick into the beehive occasionally. Yeah. That heat that we were talking about, did you ever get in a negative criticism saying something that was maybe given to you by a writer or an editor and wasn't necessarily a view or an opinion? You were just the guy presenting it? Are you kidding me? We're an ABC station and we run CNN stories. I have to change lead-ins all the time. Oh, yeah. The young producers copy and paste. Listen, ABC is in it. This is where I could get in trouble with ABC. These guys are, you know, because we're an ABC station. Uh, and I believe that it's so slanted right now with uh, agenda-driven uh, writing and uh, innuendo. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, and LOX has to be careful. You have to know your market. We're in South Mississippi. This is Trump country, man. Mm-hmm. You know, this is uh, dripping red. You know, this is a this is a very uh, conservative state. So uh, they they have these lead-ins that our producers copy and paste when we run ABC stories, and and I, I'm rewriting them all the time. Mm. You have to be careful. Mm. And I want to ask something that kind of ties in with this kind of corporate takeover. And going back to what I was talking about about advertisers being in the space and. Um, is it outside of the realm of possibility that certain agencies create content not so much for the value of the content, but specifically for the purpose of catering to and pulling in bigger advertisers? For example, some online video channels that have large followings, they will initially broadcast or intentionally rather broadcast controversial or far-fetched stories just to get people kind of up in arms or it provides some sort of twisted entertainment value. Um, advertisers see it and they will fund those video creators just because they are a source of traffic. Um, how prevalent mm. would you say that practices in the professional news world? And I don't think you, I don't think you see a lot of that, especially with hometown television stations. I'm even in a major market like Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago, New York. You're not going to see that a lot with uh, local TV stations. You may see a little bit of that on cable. Mm. I don't even think you see it with the three big three networks. Uh, digital, I can't speak for. You know, I mean, digital might be a little more susceptible to that. You know, mm. our, uh, our our dot com side, uh, the dark side. Sorry, Stefan. No, the uh, the digital side might be a little more susceptible to that. But yeah, I, I you don't honestly believe local TV stations are still trying as hard as they can to do the right thing. Yeah. I really, in spite of the corporate pressure, the advertiser pressure, the viewer pressure, I still think that local TV stations are doing a pretty good job. Is the Illuminati running running the corporate? <laughs> yeah, you would tell me yeah. if they were, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're out there. Out Blink there right twice now. if you, do, you know, if, the third if you world, you know, the new world order. It's uh, they're marching, <laughs> and uh, you know, you got to keep an eye on the uh, what's happening in. Uh, you know, the European Union and Belgium and places like that. Or do you ever have uh, conflicts with maybe producers who want you to present something and can you decline speaking about a topic or story that you feel is out of line or lacks credible information or is just something that you think is just unethical to present? Of course I can. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. Yeah. yeah I mean... Uh, in what kind of exchange? Yeah, they, they, is, listen, the way I, I, I've got, you know, I've got this old-fashioned viewer, the anchor of a show, the host of a show, the guy who's been there the longest is still the boss, no matter what. You know, and you're the final link in the broadcast chain. You know, you're, you're the, 
the, the the words are coming out of your mouth. I don't care how much planning they put in it. So I, I would will tell and have told producers, no, I'm not saying that, or no, I don't think we should do that story. I mean, mm-hmm. and 99.9% of the time, it doesn't see the light of day mm-hmm. because I stopped it. So, yeah. yeah. And, but, but I can't say that that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell somebody, are you kidding me? You, 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 you think I'm going to read that? No. going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to rewrite it for you. But, yeah. Uh, for someone like you who does the job seven days a week on the air, um, at often at varying times of the day, how do you manage that kind of schedule? Uh, hmm. uh, it's, you know, again, I'm going to go back to planning it all. It's to me, it's all about wanting to know from day to day where you have to, where you're responsible for where, where you have to be and when you have to be there. And uh, with the exception of breaking news, which is happening more and more often, and we have a real emphasis now. If, do you watch WLOX, Stephen? I don't know if anyone listens. I to I don't you, watch a lot of TV, okay. man. Already, yeah. it's uh, you know our Google big news. thing is news now. Mm-hmm. So there's this big anything that's happening. It can be a branch that broke in, up an orange grove and <laughs> is threatening a shed. You know, we're going to have the live shot on it. And, you know, I think it's a little ridiculous, frankly. But, uh, you know, that that's our big pressure now. So there, there, there is a lot of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not as it's the old cat in a tree, you know. But it, 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 there are a lot of things that are like, really? You know, I, but it's happening now. It's happening now. Uh, so, uh, you know, try, and everything's so weather-driven right now. Huh? It rains. The wind blows. It's been doing it for four billion years, or whatever. Yeah. Do you do take any performance enhancing supplements or anything? No, no cigarettes. That's it. No. What about coffee? I would count. Oh, coffee. I'm a coffee guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a coffee guy. Not yeah. throughout the day, but little. I mean, I'm. I'm one of these guys that'll pour a cup of coffee and take three sips and let it sit, you know, and walk away from it and forget about it and then pour another cup an hour later and do the same thing. So by the, by the end of the day of my coffee tally probably isn't through the roof, but it's, yeah, I'm a coffee guy. How do you uh, take it? Uh, sugar only, maybe a little half and half if you have it. Okay. Do you have a regular sleep schedule? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I'm probably a one in the morning, go to bed, read almost every night i do watch tv unlike you seven i do watch a little tv 1 a.m that's that's pretty late man. is you think so yeah i'm like 8 30 i need to be start, no i need I, to start I, getting into my no I, I between okay okay i'll compromise between 12 and 1 i'm in bed and i'm up by seven so if you go to bed you're saying you're thinking going to bed at 8 30 yeah, yeah. You're already beginning to plan to go to bed. Well, so what time do you get up? I'm like morning? ready to get in there and just start shutting down. Usually, no, no, depends. Not like me. if I'm if I'm you know going through uh, working through the week or something like that. You know, I'd love to if if I just had any kind of life, I'd, I would definitely be going to bed probably at midnight. Yeah, I go to bed between between midnight and one and get up at yeah. uh, at seven. That that's my uh, usual. That's six seven hours of sleep. That's all. Well, I'm know. jealous. And I can't sleep in on the weekend anymore. You know, if it's sleeping into me is seven thirty-eight now. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Well, I used to be able to sleep in when I mean, you're younger, you sleep until 9, 30, 10 o'clock, can't do it anymore. So. And you, yeah, I wanted to actually ask you about reading. What what kind of stuff do you read? I like dystopian kind of uh, books about a, 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 a few, you know, the, the EMP that goes off or the, 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 the new... 1984. Post, uh, oh, 1984 is Orwell. I think I've read it three times. Oh, one of the most horrifying uh, books. Uh, I, just, I just finished a book, Sinclair Lewis. It can't happen here and a lot of people are comparing it to trump but it's it's not trump but it's a uh, a fictional uh fascist dictator who takes over america in the 30s as it's happening in germany and italy and i read a lot of things about post nuclear war post emp going off and uh, but then i also like sort of classic literature i just read moby dick I haven't read it, hadn't read it in years. Mm-hmm. I, I like a little Hemingway, a little Fitzgerald. So, you know, I mean, that, that that's basically. But I here, I'll tell you a quick story. I used to be one of these guys that said, uh, you will never see a Kindle in, these, in this hand. I like the feel of paper between my fingers. I like the sound of the pages turning. I'm a Kindle guy, 100% now. <laughs> I don't even buy or keep books. Really? The Kindle's amazing. Yeah. You know, so so I'm reading all the time. Interesting. Yeah, are you kidding me? My wife got me a Kindle. I was like, what are you doing? And now I'm addicted to it, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still... You're still the book guy. I'm still a paper yeah, man. Yeah, but then it takes over your house and your closets and under your bed and you got boxes everywhere. I hope to have a big library someday. <laughs> to put all of the old books in. Yeah. It seems impractical now that I'm talking about it, but especially as a guy who's more about space than I'm efficiency. You, but, uh, I'm telling you, you, it's it's liberating. Really? Yeah. I've got a Kindle, too. I don't uh, use it. I, that's what I used to say. I used yeah. to say, no way. No way this guy's going to use it. It is probably cheaper, too. Uh, I I know if you pay for a Kindle version, you often will get it cheaper because, I mean, it's just... Yeah, and I don't buy new stuff, so I buy old stuff. Four ninety nine a book, six ninety nine a book, three ninety nine. Oh, read it sweet. for free, you know. Even they even have the read it for free offers. So, uh, okay. yeah. So I've you know I've been yeah reading a lot of that. But you're right, nineteen eighty four, Brave New World. I like a lot of those. Yep. I just downloaded Clockwork Orange of all things. But I'm going to read that next. Mm-hmm. See, I guess for me, I read a lot going going to bed, and I'm all about limiting screen screen time tv screens cell phones computers if i can you think it's bad for what your brain your eyes uh maybe not so much for the brain i mean as far as kindle stuff tv might be bad for the brain i don't know i I definitely don't think it activates as much but maybe the eyes maybe it exhausts you a little bit and also blue light radiation So, but I mean, you could wear blue bockers, I guess, and it would be fine. But me, I get just a little, one of those clip-on reading lamps and I'm just in the dark, just kind of reading. And usually that's, hey, that's that's my sleeping pill right there. I don't, you know, I I never really thought much about that. Mm -hmm. When I say I watch TV at night, I watch maybe at an average. I'm a sports fan. Are you? So I watch sports. I do watch sports. Uh, All sports. Except curling. I haven't figured out curling yet. Do you know what curling is? Is it the one where you do yeah, that thing? Yeah, the sweep thing. No, yeah, it's the yeah. sweep with the, the little disc on the ice. You know, mm. God bless. Oh, Canada. Yeah. You know, it's like the national sport of Canada. Actually, hockey. Hey, I may be going to Canada next week. So. Well, I mean, 
say hello to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau while you're up there. All right. Baby. I'll hunt him down. Yeah. <laughs> but I work on your French. Are you going to Quebec? Montreal? Uh, Vancouver? Oh, no. They're very Western. Oh, They're okay. very uh, American. Oh, Vancouver. Right. I'll have to go farther then at yeah, some that, point. But it's unbelievable uh, country. It's like Banff. That's like the Canadian Rockies. You're going to see some incredible scenery up there. Oh, nice. I don't travel anymore. I used to travel a lot. Yeah. Now I hate airports and hate airplanes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't like either of those things either. <laughs> who but, does? Would you trust anybody who did? Yeah, right. Yeah. I love you the TSA getting, guys. Yeah. And getting sick, being yeah. in that little um, little container that's flying across space. I used to love flying. But now it's like, oh. I just don't enjoy it. I don't understand why we don't have bullet trains or something like that. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be great. You know, Elon Musk, Elon Musk in in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. there's, he's building underground tunnels with these things that your car drives up onto and magnetically locks it in and just shoots you on a platform through these underground tunnels under LA. And then you get to San Francisco, or what's your I'm destination? I'm not sure. I haven't read into it much. I know no. it's in early phases. But Sounds cost prohibitive. It does, right? Underground. But and- then you'd think SpaceX would be uh, cost prohibitive, and Elon Musk is doing that. Actually, yeah. I, I wish I had a Tesla. Me too. I, you Absolutely. know, did you see what I drove up in a Prius? Mm-hmm. I've had a Prius since 2005. I was I had the second Prius in South Mississippi. <laughs> I've had I've gone through three or four of them. I love them. Really? But I would get a Tesla if, if yeah. I, if, if I could afford it, I would live Absolutely. in Absolutely. Know. I think even their base models for guys like us are like 65,000 yeah, or something. You know, a lot of, you know, the all living right is, <laughs> it costs a lot. It does. Because, yeah. you know, if you think, oh boy, I'd have a house with nothing but solar panels and I'd have reclaimed water and I do all of the right, I'd have my own organic garden. I'd love to do all those things, but you had mm-hmm. to be rich to do it. Yeah. Rich in time or money, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how has being an active reader benefited you as a journalist or a reporter? I think it's helped me with word, with vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know? I really think it has. With, in flow, and yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I love. I, I admire writers. I can. I'd, I'd, wouldn't you love to be able? I'd love to be able to sit down and play the violin. But wouldn't it be nice to sit down and and be you know. Uh, Ernest Hemingway or somebody where you would just write this unbelievable prose and it would just come to you. And of course, they're all alcoholics. You realize that. I know. It's very <laughs> odd. Very odd. You got like artists. They're all, tw- you know, they're all. Yeah. Smoking weed and doing <laughs> mushrooms and LSD and the whole, you yeah. know, whatever else. That's Yeah, it's a common trend. You know, why can't people just lift weights and go for runs and shit? I know. You know, I don't know. Um, are there any books or articles that you would recommend to people who are seeking an area of work that is similar to your job uh, mm. that you've done in a career? No. How about how about like top three just most recommended books or most gifted books? You know, you, you're asking all these questions, but you're supposed to know. You, you have to think about these things. You can't. Oh just well, I thought you were saying. Off. I thought you were saying no to the first one. Oh uh, no, I get to both of them. I I can't think. I books. It's like someone says, "What's your." F- well, I can actually pick my favorite movie of all time, but uh, or, uh, can't be, you can't pick a favorite song of all time, can you? Yeah, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, nobody can do Films that. are a little bit more so yeah. than books, but... But, uh, yeah, I can't... Ah, uh, uh, well, that's a hard one. 
How about books, like three book, really good books that you read in the last couple months or something like that? Well, I reread 1984. So and mm-hmm. since we talked about that, I'm going to throw that in. I think Orwell's a little better than Huxley's Brave New World, which I also have read recently. Uh, in 1984, I just want to comment for anybody who hasn't read. I was, I was, I had to read it for AP English in high school, and I was at the time I was like, mm, "Deep book, crazy," you know, et cetera, et cetera. I picked it up as an adult a, a couple months ago and started reading it, and it stressed me out. I had so much more appreciation for putting myself in in the shoes of of Winston or whatever the guy's name yeah. is. Yeah. Well, also you see some of the trends in the world mm-hmm. that point towards and where the technology and, is and yeah. how it could be implemented. And I mean, it just horrifying in in ways that i never experienced horror in a in a book and it's not necessarily classified as a horror per se but it's uh yeah tense book yeah i mean i really i I read constantly i just can't think of you know i mean i can't even think of people's names anymore cormac mccarthy you read any no i I don't no No country for old men or the i haven't even seen the film oh the film's one of my favorite of all time coen brothers one of the best two directors so yeah, you got to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, How about the Coen Brothers, Strave? Is that Racing Arizona and Fargo? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And The Big Lebowski. Yeah, oh, sure. Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. You great know, movies. Great movies. And uh, just so you know, No Country, I mean, what, my favorite villain of all time, Anton Sugar, played yeah. by Javier Bardem. Oh, okay. Yeah, Incredible. somebody uh, just a your great. Age. Killer. At work was just talking about that movie, so I'm going to have to. Uh, the I'm dialogue, to no music. Out. Sometimes just close dialogue, no soundtrack. Um, shot at the same time, there will be blood with Daniel Day-Lewis, who just retired from acting. He says. He says. Yeah, I found it a little weird out of nowhere. Like, he's kind of flaky. Going on, Unbelievable actor, but I, I'm guessing he's pretty flaky. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, are you kidding me? Yeah. Right. Uh, but a but, great actor. Mm-hmm. There's a scene uh, in No Country where they had to postpone the shoot because... Uh, there will be blood. They have a huge scene where they actually lit an oil rig on fire out in Texas or wherever. And the smoke, you can see the smoke in the shot in the Coen brothers film. So they had to postpone the shooting for the day. And I think there will be blood. I think I can't remember one of those two, one film of the year. They're both phenomenal movies. Phenomenal. Um, and you mean I won an Oscar. Yes. No, I think it was, um, nominated for an Oscar. Um, Got to st- oh, so you're going to Google it. Sure, you? sure. Uh, film of the year 2007. Uh, no Country that? for Old Men? That's what it looks like. One or nominated? It Well, it put that movie and then There Will Be Blood. So uh, the highest grossing film. No, no. You know, isn't Google amazing? It is. Actually, the internet started out with such promise, and it's still, for research, is, to me, it's mind-boggling. You know, it's been a little, it's been hijacked, the internet has, I think, but uh, mm-hmm. but till, just to think about its original intent by the universities as a research tool, and even still today, it's amazing to me that you can Google anything. Mm-hmm. But, yep. but you know, the internet in general now, there's so much junk. Mm-hmm. 
It won four awards at the 80th Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting oh. Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, well, there you go. Yep. I didn't think it won Best Picture, though. But it's right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I apologize to your podcasters <laughs> for being wrong. Is we said it straight. Nope. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. Google fixes everything. So Because people at home are wondering, or in their cars. Mm-hmm. Could they be in their cars listening to us? Yeah, absolutely. Any anywhere that you have your phone or a computer, which is how everywhere. what's been our runtime on this? We are running at one hour twenty one minutes. Is that like a record? Up? Oh no, three hours, two and a half hours that you've done record, that I've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My average is like an hour and a half. But uh, if we need to wrap up, we can do so. No, I'm I'm cool for a few more minutes. My wife's probably you know put out an APB on me or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, if the newsman goes missing, what happens? Right, well, the people fall the on their the, heads. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, yeah. Little REM. Um, what would you say to young people or even adults who don't? take the time to engage themselves with regular exposure to literature, whether it be novels or magazine or peer-reviewed scientific studies. Why? I mean, why would, why, why would anybody avoid enlightenment? You know, even if you disagree with the data or the results or the, the author's uh, perspective, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't judge people, but I don't know to understand why somebody would purposefully avoid contact and engagement with those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That's to me like, what would well, you say to somebody who doesn't vote? I, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. It's just that it's, it's the sad truth that, I mean, a lot of people are trans that don't read a whole lot instead they they get their entertainment from you know binge watching netflix or playing video games um you know your generation's in big trouble on that absolutely yeah okay just I know it. you know in case you weren't aware oh i know oh, okay i know it that's why i'm saying that's why i'm telling you i have a 27 year old son yeah uh but he is uh uh he's he's pretty engaged he uh, he loves reading, loves going to museums, mm-hmm. doesn't watch much TV at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he's okay <laughs> he's in okay. terms of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that a person who reads is more better equipped to take in and assimilate news better than someone who does not? Yeah, I think so because it's all about vocabulary. Yeah, and comprehension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would think you know I mean if you if. You, and I, I and I know people who say I I don't read I can't read I don't have time to read I what does I would I would say that the points about of vocabulary and comprehension I mean those are important things mm-hmm. you know yeah so. plus there's the danger of taking news stories at face value as well you know just being presented with something whether it's news or anything else I mean you could be susceptible to just taking that nose and going, oh, well, they said coconut oil's bad now. And it's like, well, have you done any research yourself or did you just like, oh, there's a headline on the internet now, yeah. so. Well, you've just described Facebook. People share this and, you know, put up a link to that. And, you know, and it's all of this stuff that, and, and you want to know why you say coconut oil is bad or good? Me? Yeah, just that. I'm looking just into that. it. 
I'm looking into it. I've seen there because, you know, I'm sure you've seen the articles that have cropped up and everything. Um, me, I think I have a sensitivity to coconut oil, so I kind of avoid it. But in terms of I'm not one to um, um, to to weigh off fat and saturated fat. Most of my calories come from high fats yeah. of quality. Well, meat. you're a skinny guy. I, I used am. to be skinny. Now I'm just kind of skinny. <laughs> I'm chubby for the first time in my life. Yeah. Well, I, chubby. I think that the that when fat, I was your age, though, I was skinny. Like butters and stuff like that, and and um, beefs and coconut milk that are high in saturated fat or regular fat has taken a lot of heat, and people think that those things are what make us fat. When really, I think it's more of the sugars and the and the carbohydrates. In. Where I was starting with this, though, when you talked mm-hmm. about coconut oil is great, is and people just take it at, fa- at face value, is then the, if people track it 10 months later, a study will come out that says coconut oil kills. And then, oh, wait a second, you know, I mean, everything's, you know, changing. Yeah, it always all, going yeah. back and forth, yeah. right? And, you know, I, 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 God bless you if anyone's listening and they have a gluten problem, but I don't believe, I think that's make fake news. Could be, right? I mean, it's a conspiracy to create an entire new line of products, isn't it? Sure, that's why diets come and go so quickly, so they can market you foods yeah. and programs to yeah. give you the. They foods tap and... out the of uh, the products, and they have to create new ones. Mm-hmm. So some carbs are good for you one year and bad for you the next. You have to have low fat this, low sodium that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do think that that corporations. The sugar industry. I mean, there was a thing just recently, a couple of months ago, that was talking about Time Magazine. How I can't remember if it was the fifties or sixty sixties, where the cover of the the magazine was two eggs and a frowny bacon, just a strip of ba- bacon in the in the shape of a frown, and it said, uh, "You know, your fat is killing you," or something like that. And it was paid for by sugar industries to hire scientists to make these tests up and then publish it and run with it. And I think that's why that that thing of fats and everything have kind of gone in that direction Man, fat's healthy you need fat I'm, it makes your butt i'm a big fan of it you know and i'm a big fan of sugar by the way though are you oh yeah so i am pretty i'm pretty anti-sugar how much sugar is a is an average male supposed to consume a day? Do you know? What is this a test? You're asking me a yeah, serious question. Yeah, yeah, I ask people how all the time. Mu- okay, I wait, didn't know until a couple again? of months. How much? On average, how much? How many grams of sugar should the average male consume in a day? Four. <laughs> You're close. Uh, we're in double digit territory. It's like th- in the mid 30s, I want to say. Oh, okay. But if you think like a banana or an apple, I think a banana is or an apple's like 12 to 18. So, grams wait, you're sugar. saying sugar's good then? Well, no. I'm saying that's we're like the limit of like how much is recommended that you shouldn't eat more than that. You do need sugars and it does, you know, produce or create fat as a result and you need it. Uh, for insulin controls to regulate your mood levels. So for whatever reason, I mean, sugar is just kind of a part of what what makes us go. You know, just like okay, salt, so you can't overdo salt either, but it's something that we need. It's yeah. crucial. You know what? I don't. Even, I used. To, I think I used to be more addicted to salt than I am now. Now I don't even give salt a second thought. But you want to know what I don't like? Since you're on the subject of sugar, I don't like all the fake sugars that are out there. The uh, name some products. What are they? 
um, <laughs> the yellow the thing, S the blue one. thing, the uh, stevia. Yeah, well, stevia is a plant-based one. I've heard that. So one that might be a good one. Yeah, but I can't think of the big names. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, the yellow, the, the little yellow package, and the little blue package, and and. I prefer real sugar to that stuff now. I don't like trust cane sugar and stuff like that. Yeah, that... I don't, yeah, raw sugar, stuff like that. I would, I'm, I put in my coffee. I don't put the. Uh, I can't believe we can't think of the name of the biggest product in the world right now. The little yellow packet of stuff people use instead of sugar. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sugar substitutes. Does right, that what you googled. Yeah. And the first, the first three websites I went to were all shut down for some reason, <laughs> which Conspiracy. is suspicious. Yeah, somebody's suspicious. Um, what are they called? Sugar alternatives or uh, I thought you? substitutes. Substitutes. Yeah, sugar substitutes. Yeah. So let's it's take embarrassing a look at that. that we can't. Uh, Asper, aspartame. No, it's not even a bit. The big one of the big Steve ones. Steva, lead assay. They're giving me all these weird margaritasides and. That sucks. Probably pretty good. Yeah, I'm talking about the knows. ones that people are consuming. Yeah, the brand yeah. name stuff. That's what well, that's what we want. Uh, I will say though, as as I'm looking, Equal. Yeah, Equal. Truvia. Yeah, Equal's yeah. a big one, I think. Yeah. And then they have raw, you know, the raw sugars, the coconut sugars. How do they and, keep coming up with names for all the new medicines they keep coming out with right now? I don't know. When are they going to run out of names? I don't How know. Do, what do they just throw a bunch of letters into a hat and throw it up in the air and then it comes down? And yeah, why don't they? Uh, why don't they just make something that's a little bit more? I hate the new medicines. I'm so glad I don't have high cholesterol or high blood pressure. Knock on wood. Because I would never want to be taking the medicines they're making today. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah. which Big is why I watch my sugar intake. <laughs> Big pharma, get them out of here. Yeah. Or at least regulate the heck out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that you can use, dark. I use black strap unsulfured molasses. You see you're going, you know, that's, you have to really be dedicated. It, you do. do. You do. Yeah. You got to find out. I but told it, you earlier I smoked. Do you think I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy, you think a guy who smokes cigarettes? <laughs> you got to find your battles, is, man. Is going to... Uh, Think too much hey, about what he puts in his body. It's a really dark yeah. syrup that you can put in your coffee, and it gives it that bold flavor. And it's the lowest sugar content of any of the the honeys, the agavas, you know, all that stuff. The I will tell you one thing: I don't drink a drop of alcohol. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I hate saying that when I go to parties and stuff like that, mm -hmm. because then as you're walking away, you know what they're saying? What? Reformed alcoholic. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which is not true. I want to make that perfectly clear. I Did you drinking. never drink? No, or? I used to drink a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'd go and have a gin and tonic at dinner. I never liked wine. I'd have an ice cold beer if I was grilling out around the pool. Mm -hmm. Or if when I was in college and I went to parties, of course, you know, someone would have to, you know, drive me home. But the last 25 years, I, just, I hate being around drunk people. You ever go to a place? <laughs> Dave Elliott. Well, I've been watching it for, Jesus. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't even leave the house now. Yeah. Yeah. As, <laughs> as a, as a guy who is just all about health and fitness stuff, and I'm a certified. That's you, trainer. not me. I want to make that clear. Right, right. But, okay. but uh, for me, it's just uh, I don't particularly feel that great after 
you know, you get to the buzz zone and it's like, hey, well, this is cool. But, you know, the high school drunk and that kind of thing that, you know, used to have no like major side effects, you know, I'm much more aware of it now. And I just don't care for it. And I also don't like anything that gives me a false sense of confidence or uh, makes me more talkative or whatever like that. Like I should be able to manage my own fun and, and personality just as at a base level, you yeah. know, and I feel like a lot of people, it becomes a handicap for them. It becomes a social thing for them. Well, of course, you're describing America. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, you just uh, gave us, uh, you know, the, uh, the prototypical uh, kind of uh, Friday night in America right there, didn't you? Or- yeah. Yeah, but I can't stand it. You know, there's the sloppy drunk. No one wants to no, run into the sloppy drunk. Mm-hmm. There's the angry drunk, the mad drunk. You don't want to run into the mad drunk. No, mm-hmm. no that's bad news, mm-hmm. especially if you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the kind of lovable, mellow out drunk. They're not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Sloppy and angry, though. I'll avoid them like the play. Yeah. And when you start getting those folks together all in one nightclub, <laughs> you never know who's going to show up where or what's going to happen. So, yeah, safer to stay home and... uh I say tax the hell out of alcohol. If they're going to tax the hell out of cigarettes, they can tax the hell out of alcohol. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Yeah. What do you think about marijuana legalization? I'll legalize it. Legalize it. I think, but here, you know what? I was reading an interesting article the other day. It's already beginning to happen in Colorado. All the little mom and pop hippie stores that were there at the very, very beginning are already starting to be gobbled up by regional uh corporations and companies mm-hmm. and i was reading an article the other day where if america ever legalized it nationally you, you know who'd be growing your marijuana monsanto i hate to break it to you mm-hmm. it starts out as this wonderfully organic kind of uh and i think medical marijuana is a no-brainer i think you're in the dark ages if you're a state that doesn't sign like mississippi sign mm-hmm. off on the the value of medical marijuana mm-hmm. but uh legalized recreational marijuana the jury, I think, is still out. Colorado, Washington, Nevada just uh, passed it. So we'll mm-hmm. have to see what happens in a state like Nevada with it. Right. It's uh, going to generate taxes. There's no doubt about it. But my fear is, and I, I, as I said, I've been reading articles about it, the little mom and pop hippie places that were there at the very beginning are already starting to get gobbled up mm-hmm. by bigger and bigger fish. Mm-hmm. And eventually it'll be Monsanto mm-hmm. <laughs> growing the pot. Yeah. And that's not what we want. Yeah. Which is, it's really weird in this case because pharmaceutical and alcohol companies um, have, they've been one of the biggest lobbyers against the legalization movements because they want to figure out how to establish themselves in the industry before they, you know, before something that we call weed because it just grows everywhere if you wanted it to. How do you capitalize on that and make it profitable and sell it to everybody? And I think that's got to be incredibly hard to, to do, you know. I'm sure it'll go commercial and pharmaceuticals and Monsanto and everybody will yeah, jump into it. Of but course. at the same time, I mean, if you can throw some seeds in your backyard and it's legal to do so, I don't understand why just everybody wouldn't do that, you know, super cheap. And, uh, you know, so I don't understand how they're going to possibly. You know, I mean, I, I think you can still do that now, even though it's illegal. They're not going to bust you if they have a couple of pot plants in the backyard. <laughs> now, if, if you're. Okay. <laughs> that's not, I'm not advising the kids to do that. But if, you know, I mean, you know, if you, if, you know, you're driving down I-10 and you have, you know, 
64 kilos in the fake false bottom of your Camaro, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to get busted, but you know, I think you can, come on, it's 2017, people can't grow a couple of plants in the backyard, Mm -hmm. a little grow room in the house. Right. I think you can get away with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to change. We are behind on that. I did the like the thirty third podcast. I did I did at the Jackson State Capitol with uh, Senator Josh Harkins, sure, who did the bill for the Harper Grace bill. So I did with the girl's mom, the little girl who was sick to get CBD cannabidiol oils, and uh, I was there and it eventually got through. But it's still just very. That was two or three years ago, and it's just still you don't hear a whole lot of it. Meanwhile. The feds have old Mrs. Uh, natural Labs or whatever they call it. Have you it, ever or, seen it? No, I emailed the doctor. I was like, hey, let me... <laughs> I want to talk to you. <laughs> I've seen it. Really? Yeah. Yeah? It's you, unbelievable. Really? Yeah. Can you... Can you <laughs> I'd ask you to describe it, but no, yeah, it's a I, lot of plants, uh, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and also, when I saw it, it was like 20 years ago or something, so I don't remember. It's... it's kind of a, a, a last time I was actually at Ole Miss was for 2008 for the Obama McCain debate that I covered which was uh, kind of cool mm. but um, I haven't been up at Ole Miss in a long time mm. went to a f- football game and froze my ass off recently why don't we get, why don't we team up you bring your Facebook live stuff we'll go through there and do a podcast let us in. let the see the alien weed you know yeah. that they're growing there was uh, I knew the only reason I did is I knew Chancellor Kayat very well I don't know if you remember Robert Kayat the Chancellor up there but uh, he pulled some strings for me he's no longer there I think no, Ole Miss okay. is actually in a weird place right now but, really yeah I think hmm. they're all confused about what they want to be part of their past they want to shed and be embarrassed about oh uh, yeah I just don't know where they don't know where they are so i think uh-huh. but uh yeah i knew uh, uh chancellor kayad very well he's from the gulf coast so uh I, I when i was up there for the debate in 2008 i was able to get into a lot of back door kind of things because i knew the chancellor well so hmm there's got to be somebody we can talk to. I'm going to have to do some research. <laughs> you know, they try to keep it. They've they've really clamped down on that but they because they used to have a little more accessibility to it. So. Mm. All righty, Stefan. Well, my wife hey, is going to be really mad. Now we could have talked about a hundred different things. Hey, come back anytime. I'm telling you, know? you the studio's always open okay. to you. I mean, we started out talking about, uh, you know, radio and television and ended up talking about Marijuana, marijuana and and, uh, <laughs> and gluten, hey, and books and all that stuff. Yeah, good stuff, man. I Except love it. my mind, I can't remember when you say, "What are your three favorite books?" I'll go on the way driving home. Mm-hmm. It'll come to me. Yeah. Well, hey, shoot them off to me. I'd oh, love okay. to. Uh, and I'll, you know, one day we'll go through the library, and I might be able to recommend some stuff. You're gonna uh, regret that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why don't you start <laughs> filling boxes? Well, man, I'm going to have to do something with them because I've got some pretty serious travel plans in the near future, so they're going to have to go somewhere. So I do see the, the you know, I guess it's old school. Everybody likes to have their old school traits or whatever, and I guess books are still mine. Well, you know. I was until just five years ago, so yeah. you've got a long way to go. Yeah. I was the same way, yep. but I just changed about five years ago. Kenny Kindle now. Yep. Well, hey, when they it, called me. Eventually, at some point, this thing will be so small, it'll be the size of, you know, a little little chip that you just you know put it in your head you've got google anything you think of 
got the answer right there. I, you know? I don't find a lot of comfort in that. Don't dig it. No. No. We won't no. even. I go places don't even bring. We won't my have phone. to talk to each other. We'll just telepathy. <laughs> internet in each other's heads. Telepathic. You, know? you can figure out. I I go That's places. That's how we become the aliens. People don't believe. <laughs> That's the beginning of the uh, alien. <laughs> Uh, species. I I uh, I go places and people don't believe us. I don't bring my phone. Ta da! I don't know why. That's like I made us like a proclamation, and you're just staring at me, nodding your head. No, I, I do it sometimes too. Uh, oh, you, know, okay. you ever just leave your phone and, and go and figure it out? You know, yeah, I do. rely I on people and resources and know how and street smarts. You know, yeah, it's I fun. Don't, don't even bring the phone. I don't watch anything on my phone. Shouldn't tell a podcast guy that, I guess. But no, you said you don't watch television, so now we're no. even. Yep. Okay. Yep. Already, Stefan. All right, man. Thanks. Where can people go to uh, see? I always ask guests uh, if there was somewhere they want to see your work or, um, or, or or some sort of outlet online to keep up with you with your activities. Do you have anything you want to throw out there? Well, or? I have com. I have uh, my Facebook page, just Dave Elliott. And then I have David Elliott at WLOXTV. And then I'm obviously, what is it, at Dave Elliott WLOX on my Twitter that's it. All right. I don't have anything else. Cool. I don't have, you know, um, any place that people can go and I perform uh, whenever the rodeo comes to town. Perform. So they can always. No, I've never. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's. That it feels like a, a bump down with <laughs> yeah. everything else you do. Yeah, you know, they like those guys get hobby. impaled. Yeah, it's just a hobby. But uh, no, actually, have you been to rodeo? I don't think I have. I don't know if I would support it either. I was watching some no, on horrible. T- watched some on TV where this oh, big fat guy jumped off a horse onto a baby calf and like nearly broke its neck. Ro- ro- it's they're terrible. What is the point of this? It's like a fishing rodeo. Who's you cheering ever go this to the on? Fishing rodeo here. Fishing rodeo. Take so. your kids down to see the dead fish. No, oh I'm not going to take my kids down. But you know, you you want to know why the Broncos buck? Isn't it because they strap and put pressure points on them? <laughs> you think? Oh, they're wild mustangs. No, they're not. They're, they're in pain. pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, this was a right, lot of fun. Stephen. Thank you okay, so much. This is a it, good time. Good okay, time. we'll do it again. Let's do it. Okay, Let's I'll do promote it. it next time. All right. And maybe Sounds promote good. it this time. Why not? Okay, brother. Thanks. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Ah. <sighs>